Welcome to Ontario County History and Culture. I'm Ethan Fogg, Executive Director of the Canandaigua Chamber of Commerce. This podcast is sponsored by the Cheshire Community Action Team, the Ontario County Arts Council, and the Ontario County Historical Society. We're recording at Finger Lakes Television Podcast Studio on the campus of Finger Lakes Community College. With me is Doug Finch, Town Manager for Canandaigua, and John Goodwin, City Manager for Canandaigua. Gentlemen, welcome. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Ethan. My pleasure. Today we're going to discuss the impact of arts, culture, and history on not only the community of Canandaigua, but perhaps on you as individuals, professionally and personally. So um, we're going to start out with Doug, as the town was organized first. So, Doug, the floor is yours. Well, thanks. Thanks for having us. So um, I think you you were alluding to asking me kind of what brought me to the community. Is that, is that kind of, Ethan, give me a little more than that. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, we're here today to talk about um, the influence of history and culture on people that have made Canada with their home and quite possibly people that are thinking about making Canada with their home. So with your experience of having discovered Canandaigua at a point in your life, what helped you rank Canandaigua first? Sure. So, you know, Canandaigua is so unique. Uh, we're so fortunate to live in this area. Um, I first came to Canandaigua 25 years ago in 1995, and uh, it was through family. Um, but I, I just absolutely love the community. And um, I actually spent the first seven years in Canandaigua actually doing radio. And uh, just got to know so many people in the community. It's just such a wonderful community. There's so many people of our community that genuinely care about the historical and cultural significance of the community and kind of where we've come since 1789 and where it's gone uh, since then and where we're going for our future. And then remembering to tell that story of what has happened over the years, everything from the the steamships that I'm sure we're going to talk about some more of those particulars here today, but uh, we just have such a uh, historical and cultural significance of our community. And uh, I'm 47 years old. I have a goal of spending the night in all 50 states before I turn 50. And uh, as of today, I've spent the night in 47 states. And I have to tell you, every time I come back to Canandaigua, it just feels like coming home. It's so unique compared to so many places in this country. And uh, it's just a, it's an amazing place to live, whether it's uh, the quality of life we have, whether it's the lake, whether it's the community, whether it's the arts, whether it's the things that we do in the recreation programs and the things that we do city and town together, that it, it's just a really cool place to be. Well, thank you, Doug. I couldn't agree more, but I'm going to ask John for his position. Well, I don't know how I follow that. That was a that was nicely done, Doug. Um, well, I'm originally from Olin, New York, so I, I'm a native upstater. Um, went to school in Albany, then I worked down in Scarsdale. Um, and then uh, when I was ready to take the next step in my career and looking for the next level in, in, in city management, um, you know, Canandaigua opened up. And I remember my wife and I coming here for the first time and driving down Main Street. Um, and it wasn't the typical upstate downtown. Um there wasn't boarded up buildings or empty buildings. Um, There's a vibrant downtown. There was murals. There was art. Um, there was people out and about. Um, you could tell this was a community. You could tell it was more than just a tagline, the chosen spot. Um, I interviewed here. We hung around Canandaigua for a while. Um, and uh, we're never going to leave. Um, this is our chosen spot. We chose Canandaigua. 
and I had opportunities in other municipalities and even in other states. I have not been in 47 states. That's quite impressive. Um, you can give the list later, Doug. But, um, you know, yeah, Canandaigua is a, is a place with, with rich history, uh, rich culture, rich arts. Um, and I always enjoy learning something new every day about it because there's always something comes out and you're like, well, I didn't know that Canada was connected that way or this way. Um, I know my neighbors, they, they drove Route 20, which goes right through Canandaigua, one of the oldest highways in the state, uh, the country, goes coast to coast. And they would they drove the entire length of it. And then it's like, oh, and they found a way to connect back to Canandaigua at every single stop. And that says something about a community. And um, this is definitely a beautiful place. And, and this is home. Um, and, and I don't want to be anywhere else. John, you're, you're absolutely right, though. I mean, even uh, 2020 is the 100th anniversary of the women's suffrage movement. And uh, the things that we have and the things that Canandaigua has been at the center of is amazing. Uh, the Susan B. Anthony trial happening right here in Canandaigua, you know, Council Rock in front of the courthouse, um, the, the city hall and everything, the Pickering Treaty. I mean, there's just so much has happened here in Canandaigua that really helped to shape the course of our entire nation. And some of it you can trace right back to Canandaigua. Yeah, I, I remember being called for jury duty. Uh, for the first time, which nobody likes to do. But then I, you walk into the courtroom and, and you're like, this is where Susan B. Anthony was tried. You know, I read that in, in history books and, and I'm in the actual site. So that that's and really, really cool to to, to be, you know, walk in that, the footsteps of history. And, and we, you can do that right here in Canandaigua. Yes. Part of what I'm enjoying about this conversation is through the lens of commerce and economic development. Uh, part of it is, I think a lot of our audience would know by now that our three organizations, city government, town government, and the chamber are working together through a newly formed economic development corporation. And part of that inspires me when we meet visitors and um, relocators, um, businesses and individuals who choose Canandaigua at a point in their life, in part because of those assets, those cultural assets, those historic historically significant assets and our natural beauty. And I know that both of you professionally have a, a lot of invested operations and assets in preserving and protecting our environment. I think we would all agree and statistics bear out the fact that protecting our lake is particularly important to us as it is protecting agricultural operations. I think some audiences might see those in uh, direct competition sometimes, but I think the, the very brand that we know as the Finger Lakes uh, relies heavily on uh, strength in all of those segments. Do, are either of you interested in commenting on that? Well, yeah, uh, you know, there's always a balance, you know, and, you know, some, you know, as you said, like agriculture, some say, well, that doesn't protect the lake because of, you know, all the fertilizer and thing, but there's a balance. You need to have both to be a strong community. It's not an, always an easy balance to find, um, especially when you're doing budgets uh, for municipalities. Um, but, you know, but that's what, that's what we're a democracy is for is to get everybody together and find that balance together. Uh, and you definitely find that here in Canandaigua. Um, but in terms of protecting our environment, you know, um, the city, we've, we've taken a lot of initiatives over the years. We have our, our solar farm with 3000 panels, you know, not too far from this facility. Uh, we've purchased all of our streetlights, converted them to LEDs. We've met, I think nine out of the 10 uh, climate smart communities program, uh, high priority items. And we're about to hit number 10, um, and, you know, we're a certified bronze community, you know, for the climate smart community program, um, which only 25 other communities in the, in the state can say, 
and we're, and we're going for silver and, and when they ever come up with the, the criteria for gold, we'll go for that too. A lot of the heritage and, and the history uh, comes from that lake um, and the environment that we, you know, the natural beauty of the Finger Lakes uh, and protecting that. So it's here for our children, our children's children and so forth. Uh, it's very important to us. Yeah, the the lake really is. I mean, it, it, it is Canandaigua, right? When you really think about Canandaigua, there's a lot of amazing things to think about, but you always go back to the lake. And I know anytime I fly into uh, Rochester, a lot of times it seems like the flight plan, if I'm coming from the south, is coming in over Canandaigua and you see the lake from the air and you're like, okay, that's what we do every day is make sure that that's protected and then make sure that all of our residents of the greater Canandaigua community uh, continue to have that resource, not only for us today, but for future generations. And, you know, the city and the town have done a lot of things together. Even uh, just recently, we've done water quality improvement projects. Uh, we know that Sucker Brook is one of the uh, biggest pollutant loads coming back into Canandaigua Lake. And we've just recently uh, constructed two new water quality improvement projects. That was a joint city-town project uh, that are both in the town uh, where we've actually created an area where the sediment uh, coming from Sucker Brook uh, during those peak rain events and those storms where that actually goes into those water quality improvement projects. So we hold back the sediment there from well well before it ever gets into the lake, Uh, working, of course, with uh, the Canandaigua Lake Watershed Council, which both the city and the town are are members of. And, um, you know, there's so many other things on an agriculture. You mentioned agriculture protection. The town of Canandaigua, we've been so fortunate. We're one of only three municipalities in the entire state of New York where we've received awards from the New York State Department of Ag and Markets for the protection of agriculture. We're one of only three in the entire state of New York. I mean, it's it's amazing what we've been able to do in working with our farming community to um, really protect farmland for, again, not just us now, but for future generations. You know, agriculture, that was, when we talk about history and the cultural significance of the community, it was an agriculture community. And of course, we've grown to a community combined community of over 20,000 people now, but still agriculture is there. It's at the forefront. And so we've done things like for the town of Canandaigua, we've created a strategic farmland protection area. We have something called the Paddle for Brook Greenway, where we know those are some of our largest farming operations. We try to keep them in close proximity together. We've created an agricultural committee so that our uh, government, our town government has a direct Um, connection to our farming community and making sure that the policies and the things that we're doing that we're uh, positively promoting and uh, protecting that farmland while again finding that balance that John was talking about on the protection of the lake. Thank you. I didn't mean to get too far afield, pardon the pun, into agriculture, but I think it's important to point out that food and craft beverage have become a very important part of culture in our area and that maintaining those assets makes us continuing continually attractive to uh, visitors and residents alike, that um, public areas that might be perhaps another conversation we can explore is the, um, the trail areas, park areas, other, other common areas that enable people to access nature and naturally occurring beauty and literally thousands of years of open, clean, pristine space, some of which has been used agriculturally and others that have been just left fallow. And um, that in a community like ours, the extended Canandaigua area, that there is such a, a thoughtful balance of ongoing development, because um, I think at least the three of us around this table would agree that, that ongoing development is integral to our success in the future, but that the thought that goes into it, the 
the consideration, the processes themselves. And perhaps in here somewhere, we've talked a lot about your professional responsibilities and engagement in these processes. And I am curious, other than visiting 47 states, if each of you have maybe a personal elevator story that when you meet someone professionally that's looking at relocation of a business or a family, or perhaps looking to start a career here, what do you share about life in Canandaigua, your life in Canandaigua, as what you think of as the deal sealer? You mentioned the creation of our local development corporation, our joint city, town, chamber entity. And that really goes back to the question that you just asked me about what is it that you say to people when they when they come or when you're you're looking at the area, because it's not just the town or not just the city. It's it's everything. It's you know that with the town of Canandaigua, we have ten and a half miles of shoreline of Canandaigua Lake that we're trying to watch out for, and that we have all of that housing, we have that residential, we have those um, you know those residents of the community. Plus, we also have the industrial, we have uh, manufacturing, we have commercial, we have retail, we have four plazas in the town of Canandaigua. Plus, of course, we have the agriculture, and we have the hamlet of Cheshire, and a whole variety of different things. So that, of course, goes into my elevator speech. But make no mistake that when I give that elevator speech and I talk about how awesome Canandaigua is, it includes the city, it includes downtown, it includes vibrant downtown, it includes most of the storefronts being full, it includes you can go shopping downtown, there's plenty of places to eat, uh, and, and John, I'm sure you'll talk about that, but um, there's just so much that is a region that we offer. You don't always have to drive to Rochester. You don't always have to drive an hour away to get the basic amenities or to enjoy life or to have a nice evening out, you can literally live, work, and play right here in Canandaigua. It's funny. is um, you know, my, my Cub Scout troop that my, my son go, uh, is the den leader owns the KOA, which is, um, and uh, he says, visitors come and they say, oh, I'm in the middle of nowhere. And if, and if you're not familiar where the KOA is, it's literally like five minutes from downtown. And he says, you can, Eat around the world in downtown Canandaigua. We've got Indian, we have German, we have the traditional American pub food. We've got uh, Italian, uh, Mexican, uh, Thai food. We have French food. Uh, I'm probably missing about five other nationalities that you know, of one, and it's all great, wonderful food. Uh, you know, I spent you know, the beginning of my career downstate, and you know, in the New York City area, where you know it, it's known as a foodie destination, and. I, I can tell you we compete with that all day long. Um, and that brings to the, the culture, um, you know, the diversity you know, downtown um, and, and in our Canandaigua region. And then you can do that surrounded by beautiful murals on, on the walls of the buildings downtown and in historic downtown um, that's been there for and it's on the National Register you know, because it is, it is a historic place. There's no speech that you can tell somebody to, 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 to say how special Canandaigua is. You say, you know, just come spend the day and you'll realize that it truly is the chosen spot. And, you know, that's that's what I tell people. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But the people who come here, they all say the same thing. Well said, John. And by the way, two thumbs up on your streetscape, streetscape efforts, uh, the new downtown lighting, things like that. I think that's a, a an obvious nod to the balance of historic preservation and modernization, the installation of LED lighting that is aesthetically appropriate to the age of most of downtown, and just that thoughtful modification moving forward for cost control and environmental impact and so on. And I appreciate when I have those elevator speeches with people that 
I can use some of those transitions as examples of how we're paving the road forward. And I think that's a nice transition also for us to talk about perhaps what's next. There may be items, you know, um, that are that are under underway, uh, items that are on the docket. Are there things we're able to talk about perhaps that um, where we're headed next? Well, uh, you know, Ethan, we're, we're always looking to continuously improve. Um, and, and there's there's always, you know, areas where we can do that, whether environmentally, economically, or even governmentally. Um, well, there's some very visible improvements happening right around us, private sector, admittedly, but they're affecting the lives of people that live in the city and the town. They're, well, they're mitigating lakefront issues. There's a lot of investment taking place. I think it's like 120 some odd million dollars worth of construction taking place, you know, in the city of Candigua right now. Uh, a lot of communities um, you know, you know, around upstate and even the nation would, would, would kill for something like that. Um, and that's not counting all the, the the wonderful things that are taking place in the town. I don't know if Doug, if you want to talk about that. Well, you know, we we talked we were talking about the lake, and uh, in particular the importance of what that means to our community and everything uh, from not only a historical perspective but also a cultural perspective. I mean, when people. Uh, enjoy the Canandaigua community, especially in the summertime, right? I mean, you look at the boats, right? Look at the boats on the lake. Look at people just wanting to be near the lakefront. And I know both the city and town are, are in the process of updating our comprehensive plans this year. Um, one of the things that I've heard from the community is a continued access accessibility to the lake. And, um, you know, the, the town, we're, we're very fortunate. We have uh, two parks that are right on the lake with actually lakefront property being Onanda Park, which is a uh, amazing facility, um, you know, a little bit further south uh, down County Road 16, but there's pavilions, you can rent cabins. We have a lodge there that has a full commercial kitchen in it, holds 150 people. There's a place to uh, sleep there. Um, there's a, there's another facility there called Crouch Hall. Uh, we've actually hosted, I think, three weddings uh, in 2019 at that location at that facility. Um, it, it's it's really, it's incredible the different things that you can do there or just go have a good time or go fishing or launch a kayak. Um, we have Butler Road Schoolhouse Beach Park, which is another area where we have lifeguards. Uh, we, we staff lifeguards at both facilities uh, during the summer months so that people can go swimming there. Uh, we have a beach there. You can um, really just, it's a great place for a picnic and everything, but we've got the water trail that is city town and uh, the council also kind of combined uh, so that people can, you know, really enjoy Canandaigua Lake from the water uh, by canoe or kayak. And, and obviously John with the lakefront uh, on the North end. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, we don't have as, as nearly as much uh, shoreline as the town, um, but almost all of the city's shoreline, you know, is parkland um, public access. Um, and, you know, we, we value that. And, and try to you know continually improve and add more to that. You know we have the the, the same kind of you know beachfront uh, for for residents and visitors to come and swim safely with lifeguard protection. Uh, we have a number of different kayak launches as part of that water trail, and we have one that's open. You know, and then we have also have a you know, Atwater Meadows Park, which my, many people don't even know about. It's one of the completely natural areas still, uh, and it's kind of on the border of of the town uh, and the city, where you, you it feels like there's nothing around you um, and you're right on the lake, which is kind of a, a neat experience. Um, so we, we, we are always looking to, to expand upon public access. You know, we have businesses that are you know, at least kayaks and paddle boards. So, that, you know, and we used to, used to have L.O. Bean until they uh, changed to try to teach people on how to do that. Um, 
And then if the lake is too choppy, you can always go into Lagoon Park. Um, you know, one of, one of the things that I hear is, oh, well, you should do it like Geneva. You know, they have all this parkland on the, but if you actually compare acre for acre, um, city to city, we have the same number of acres, uh, if not just a little bit more, in the city of Candegua parkland on the lake than, than the city of Geneva. I, I think sometimes, you know, getting that perspective and, 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 you know, as Doug was saying, traveling to other states or other communities, getting that perspective and seeing, well, you know, I, I, we have it really good here. Um, and, and it's it's a beautiful community and there's just, there's no way to, to just put it in words sometimes. Well, and, and the water trail uh, very closely follows the old steamboat trail um, from a cultural perspective. Uh, actually, one of the things uh, we in 2014, we created something in the town called a Citizens Implementation Committee, and we charged that committee with fully implementing the town's comprehensive plan. One of the or two of the goals, actually, in the comprehensive plan really relate to the arts and the cultural significance of the community. And specifically, we created a history team. And the history team has done some amazing projects in the last two years in the town of Canandaigua. One of the things that I think is particularly neat is in an effort to recognize the steamboats uh, that used to sail up and down Canandaigua Lake, and the uh, cultural significance and the historical significance of those, they actually put together, a, they went through a, a collection of photos working with the historical society. They were actually able to find good quality images of many of the steamboats and do a write-up of each of the steamboats. And we actually named all of our conference rooms in the town hall in the town of Canandaigua, as well as our highway facility after different uh, of those steamboats. So our big meeting room where most of our town board meetings are held. We now refer to that as the Ana Linda room. Uh, we have the uh, Oriana room, the Otiga room, the Joseph Wood room, uh, the Ganondawa room. I would have never known the names of those steamboats had it not been for the conference rooms because half the time I have to say, what room are we in? And there's like, you're in the Ontario room. I'm like, okay, I know where that is. But it, it's neat because it, it makes history come alive. You're sitting in that room. You see a picture of that steamship. You see community members from whenever it was, seven, late 1700s, 1800s, and you, you hear a little, or you can read a little piece about that. Um, and our history team has really been trying to do that. They've recently have done a uh, survey, a reconnaissance level survey of our community, identifying some of the oldest structures, uh, 100 plus year old structures in the town of Canandaigua. Uh, we've recently been able to identify the oldest house in the town of Canandaigua. It's actually over near the academy. Uh, and of course, uh, I, I definitely have to mention uh, in Cheshire, we have the uh, CCAT, uh, the Cheshire Community Action Team, that's helping to sponsor this today, and the the Grange, the meeting hall, that, of course, they've been working on for many years uh, to try to renovate that and bring that back to what that once was in order for it to be a place of public assembly. Um, our history team is also going to be doing some geocaching uh, coming up here shortly and a whole bunch of different things. So we're just... It's always fun, and I know we were talking about parks there a little bit and everything, too, and even trying to incorporate some of the historical significance of the community into some of our trails, into some of our parks. Those are the types of things that our history team is actually working on now. Yeah, well, I'm just I'm at all at how many conference rooms you have in your town hall. That's I think all. we have seven. That's yeah, that, you know, <laughs> I'm lucky to have one or two. And, you know, wow. Um, but let alone have all the names for it. That's a, yeah. Um, you know, one of my favorite articles that I read in the newspaper is when our, our city historian, you know, Lynn Paulson uh, or, or Preston Pierce, they, they put a piece in there about, you know, where did this street name come from? 
all of a sudden I'm walk. I might be walking one of the two you know, historic cemeteries that the city maintains on, on West Avenue. And you're walking through and it's like, well, there's a street named after him, a street named after him, a street named after him. And then, you know, just picking one and reading about that person for the day um, and figuring out, well, why did they choose Canadagua? Um, and, and what kind of foundation did they lay for us? Um, we have a lot of wonderful things to thank our forefathers, you know, our Canadagua forefathers for, for laying a wonderful foundation uh, for, for both Doug and the town and me and the city to, to build off of um, and to continue to improve and make Canada with a chosen spot for whoever else wants to come and visit. Um, and building off of that history is, is sometimes pretty fun. John, I'm glad you mentioned the cemeteries because, you know, I think the average resident or even visitor of the community, they go by these parks. They, they're familiar a little bit with the parks, a little bit familiar with the trails. In the town of Canandaigua, we have seven cemeteries. And whoever thinks about who's cutting the grass, right, or on Memorial Day that the flags are being placed, well, guess what? that we actually take care of that. The town takes care of that. We have seven cemeteries where we're actually out there mowing the grass and taking care of it. Or we've got um, our history team, our town historian. And then there's, we have a team of uh, community volunteers where they'll go around and place flags on the veterans um, uh, grave sites and everything, as well as we just recently rededicated the Woolhouse Cemetery, and we had the Daughters of the American Revolutionary War there for that because there were a number of revolutionary soldiers that are buried in that. Uh, we've worked with Boy Scouts recently to do some renovations to two of our cemeteries. There's there's just so much that I think people take for granted, uh, but those become functions of municipal government that we actually have to go out and take care of that stuff that I, I think a lot of times people just say, oh, yeah, well, that's just there. Well. That's well, some of the stuff know, we have to one do. One of my old bosses used to say, you know, you're doing your job when the phone doesn't ring. Because right. uh, that means the, mo- the, the, the mowing is, and the garbage has been collected, the water came down, wherever you flushed went down the toilet. Um, yeah, everything works. Um, and sometimes we take that for granted. With that, we also take for granted what we have around us sometimes. You know, walking downtown, you know, sometimes you, for, you just, I, I completely forgot we had that mural over there on Coy Street. Or the, um, and, and as I was preparing for this podcast, I'm looking like, I forgot about half this stuff. We have just so much that um, to be thankful for, and it's and it's always good to be reminded of it and to relook at it, um, and just to and take it, be grateful for it. John, I have to ask you a question. So oh. it used to be, and I'm sure it's probably still there in the Commons Park. There was a little replica of the Erie Canal because that's where the debtor's prison was, right? Is well, yeah, so, well, and that and that was that was one of, one of the projects that I, I really like to work on. Is that and I know uh, former Mayor Palmini will talk about this on another podcast. Is the Centennial Endowment, um, which was founded you know, during uh, the centennial of the city. Uh, one of their big projects was the big mural on, on Coach Street, um, and uh, they one of the pictures there that many people don't even know is Jesse Holly. And you're like, well, who is that? And well, in the Commons Park, there used to be a, a debtor's prison and he spent 20 months there, I believe. And that he wrote a number of essays saying, you know, there should be a canal connecting the Hudson River all the way to Buffalo and New York State will flourish. So his picture's there and that fountain is does represent the Erie Canal and there's a little plaque for that. Um, and so it's like, what? You know, you spoke to it earlier. We're connected to so much history, but, you know, at the state level and nationally, um, that it's just sometimes it just boggles your mind. Well, and to turn a phrase, we were talking about building on history, and there's some interesting examples of that happening around us right now. I know the old GW Lisk property is seeing a lot of activity. 
Well, and that, that's some of the exciting part is that we're, we're taking these old manufacturing buildings and adaptively reusing them um, while respecting the history of what used to be there. Uh, you know, the GW List building, you know, there's a one of the facades says, you know, says GW List on it. And he, uh, the developer in this case, you know, you, you specialize in taking these old, you know, uh, factories and historic buildings that, you know, need some TLC um, and doing it respectfully. And he, he kept that facade just to recognize the history of what it once was because the whole neighborhood was built around that factory. Uh, people walked to it, you know, and I know that era is gone, but now it can be something new and create a whole new, you know, neighborhood for, for the city. Um, and we're going to be doing the same thing with the former label on building you know, f- shortly. So we're, we're always looking to adaptively reuse and, and you know, the, these historic buildings to find that balance as we, you know, respecting the history, but also living in, in our modern era. And I think what's neat is a lot of the community members enjoy doing that also. Um, we've got uh, Brickyard Road in the town of Canandaigua that a lot of people would be like, why is it called Brickyard Road? Well, there used to be a brick factory there. It's a present day location of uh, artists and meats. And uh, what they would do is um, when they were actually expanding that, they actually found a lot of the old bricks and they found a lot of the old tunnels. And so there's a there's a history and a, a remembrance of that uh, now in artists and meats. So uh, it's it's so cool that we have all of these uh, faci- uh, facilities and and these uh, experiences right here in our community. Well, and as a fellow traveler, um, I can't claim 47 states, but I've geocached in about 30. And I can say that one of the things when I come home and sigh and realize, I like it here to a great degree because of the texture and the breadth and depth of what we have in our community. There's some lovely planned communities in this country where nothing's over five years old and everything looks the same. And it, it doesn't have the purpose, I don't think. Uh, it doesn't tell the stories. It doesn't welcome us deep inside the way communities that have literally hundreds of years of history that can be encountered when you walk down the street and that yes repurposing matters because not everything can be used in the same capacity forever but the fact that we're fortunate to live in an area where even our city courthouse county courthouse um, properties like that have been uh, thoughtfully um, renovated and repurposed uh, to serve modern business but not at the expense of the experience of the visitor or the resident. So, uh, gentlemen, thank you for being with us today. I'm sure, and I actually hope we continue this conversation on another day. Um, We'd like to thank our sponsors and uh, thank the listeners for joining us for another uh, opportunity to talk about Ontario County history and culture. Thank you. Thanks, Ethan. Thanks, Ethan. This is Preston Pierce. I'm here with George Heron, co-creator of the Ontario County History and Culture Podcast. I know our municipal managers, like John and Doug, spend a lot of time on matters involving roads and water and sewer systems, but they do a lot more than that. Yes, they do, and in both of their instances, they act as a bridge between the legislative body and the actual workforce of the town or the city as they get their jobs done. And although they're sometimes known as lesser-known activities, They're very, very important to the entire outlook of both history and culture in the greater communities. Next week, our podcast will continue with a new moderator, Valerie Knobloch, Executive Director of the Finger Lakes Visitors Connection, will join us with new guests and new perspectives. And I'm looking forward to that also. Thanks, George. Thank you to our listeners. 
From the Finger Lakes Television Studio at Finger Lakes Community College, we wish you a great day.